0: I'm Neve Cassidy, a former social care worker who, after having my own children, found a calling as a childbirth educator and lactation consultant. Back when I started this journey, I faced the same challenges many of you might be experiencing right now, struggling to get enough clients to make my business viable long term. I knew in my heart that I had the skills and knowledge to make a difference, but the thought of marketing and selling left me feeling a bit uneasy. I didn't want to compromise my authenticity and values just to attract clients. I invested in trainings and mentorships, and I tried various strategies that I learned, but it often felt like I couldn't implement a lot of it because what I was being taught didn't match my values as a birth and postpartum worker. That's when I decided to take matters into my own hands. I embarked on a mission to learn, to experiment, and to find ethical and authentic ways to share my expertise, support my clients, and build a sustainable practice. Today, I'm proud to say that I run a thriving private practice, and I'm here to share my insights with all of you to help you to do the same. Join me on this journey as I help you bridge the gap between your passion for supporting new parents and the success you deserve. Together, we'll discover the power of ethical, authentic and effective approaches, not only to make a living, but also to make a positive impact in the world of birth and postnatal care. Let's get started on this empowering journey together. So welcome everybody to this episode of the podcast and I am very excited to welcome Fiona Ray to the podcast today. Fiona is a mum to four beautiful children and has experience of breastfeeding them and birthing three of them at home and one in hospital. She's been an IBCLC in private practice for almost 13 years and also is a volunteer breastfeeding counsellor with You for 21 years and she's a tutor for the up-and-coming breastfeeding counsellors as well. She has a love of learning, and in 2021, she completed her Honours Master's in Advanced Facilitation for Health and Wellbeing, and this year qualified as a celebrant with Ethnos Ireland. Did I pronounce that correctly? Entheos. Entheos, Entheos yes. Ireland. So, yeah. Enthusiasm. A... Very good. So, mm-hmm. you've had a lot going on. Mm. And as I said, that love of learning has really brought you kind of through lots of different scenarios, but all very much related to family life, let's say.
1: Yes. And yeah, it was having kids that got me into the whole world of birth and breastfeeding. It was literally having my first son and breastfeeding him. I really began to feel, oh my goodness, this is a whole new world and it really became a big interest. And that's where I became involved with You. Very good. And I think a lot of the listeners
0: will resonate with that because it has been a similar journey for many people after having their own kids. They've come into this kind of work. So for the listeners as well, you and I know each other very well at this stage. And I'm happy to call you my friend. And we met when I was training to be a breastfeeding counsellor, I think. So when you started tutoring Wickwood you as a breastfeeding counsellor. Why did you just decide to go from being the volunteer counsellor into also tutoring as well?
1: The opportunity arose at the time. They were needing more. We were getting more and more interest for people to train. An email came out. They were looking for advanced breastfeeding counsellors. And I decided I'd put my hand up. I've always enjoyed sharing my experience in the guise of other mothers experience as we do when we're counselling. But um, yeah, I, I enjoy it.
0: Yeah. And I know like when you started talking and you were talking about what got you into the work, you could hear the kind of excitement in your voice of breastfeeding and wanting to kind of share that knowledge and being able to originally share it peer to peer as a mum supporter, but then also being able to bring it into the groups to teach the rest of us to be that supportive person.
1: Well, I think we both have to be honest, if when we're in Quidju and you make eye contact with somebody at a group, you tend to get sucked into different roles. So initially, I was asked to help out at the the Humpty Dumpty group because they hadn't enough helpers. And sure, I fell for that. And within a couple of weeks, it was, would you not think of doing the breastfeeding counselling? And I was quite complimented to be asked. So they suckered me in really as well. <laughs> and over the time of the training, you know, my interest really developed.
0: And then when I qualified as breastfeeding counsellor and I've was doing that for a while and then I decided to look at becoming a lactation consultant as well and did the antenatal training too, but then started to look at becoming a lactation consultant as well. You were pretty much the first person I talked to about that process to get support and help and you've been pivotal in supporting a lot of us that have come from Quidu and who have since done the exams in our study and then in our practice once we qualified.
1: I think it's important, you know, when we're training the breastfeeding counsellors, I certainly would always say to them, look, I would always put my number up, contact me if you have any questions. You know, if you're dealing with anything that you're finding difficult, don't hesitate to get in touch. It can be very tricky if you've been at a group and you have a situation where you don't feel 100% you did all you could do. And it's really important to be able to debrief that with somebody and have someone, you know, reassure you, actually, you you know, you really said all you could do there. Because the difficulty with breastfeeding counselling is we're not really at liberty to contact that person after. So if we don't see them at a group again, it's really difficult to settle it in our minds that that person is okay. I don't think there is any sense in training people to do something voluntarily, particularly, without giving them the backup support. They really, really need to know that they're not on their own. You know, your training's done, off you go. And and yes, they will have the support of the more experienced breastfeeding counsellors in their branch and the new ones training as well, you know. So they're going to get a good variety of how people counsel and lots of us counsel a little differently. But I think, I don't know, maybe I give off that energy and I certainly say it often do not be on your own. Because I feel very lucky. I'm sure feel similar. I think within Quidju, we are extremely lucky that we have each other. And it's not the same for everybody, particularly those moving on to private practice. People moving on to private practice often don't have anywhere to go with their questions. I think that's where
0: everything that I want to talk about Kind of now has come from it's come from that frame that you've just given us of of the volunteer organization that we're part of that fostered that supportive looking after each other kind of environment mm-hmm. so as it was coming I don't know whether I'd actually qualified whether the exam results had come in or we were waiting for the exam results but I came to you and I said Fiona how do you run a private practice like what do I do next what is the next thing we can do, and there were a few of us in that same boat, so I boldly asked you if you would run a training for us on setting up a private practice, and you said yes, and my expectation I was thinking about it today, my expectation was that you were going to say yes <laughs> and that you would do that, but it was because i I knew you would do that for us and reflecting on it further, I was thinking about I wonder like how many business areas do people actually willingly train in the competition, essentially. And I know we never thought of it that way. It's only looking back on it now that I can see that we practice in a similar geographical area. You were training the people who you could have viewed as your competition. But when I asked, there was always the expectation that you would say yes, and you willingly did.
1: And thoroughly enjoyed it, I have to say. I I love that workshop selfishly because it really makes me relook and refresh my own practice. So I'm not only doing it for the good of all you lot, I'm doing it for my own sake, really. <laughs> but I do, I enjoy, I enjoy that sharing. And then you're going to get questions from people that make you think about things that perhaps you haven't thought about before. I always felt that with the counsellors as well and feel that with counsellors. I'm learning from them as much as they're learning from me. And I would have said it, you know, you might remember me saying it in your group. I can't recall if I did or not, but I'm sure I did because I always do. You're off just 10 or 20 years behind. That's all. Our goals are the same at the end of the day. The thing about the IBCLC, though, I never knew there was such a thing as a lactation consultant. Like it wasn't in my orbit at all. When I had Callum in hospital, there was no mention of a lactation consultant. In the community, there was no mention. And yet there was one in the community as it happened. But I don't know whether she was actually working as a lactation consultant at the time, but she certainly worked in my area. So I never knew there was one all through my training and even going into the tutoring. It was only then... A couple of my pals, Liz and Claire Bulfin from Waterford, they kept saying to me, Fiona, you need to do this exam, you need to do it. And that's when I really started thinking, well, do I though? Because the difficulty moving from one to the other is the charging, as everybody will, you know, agree with, I think. The difficulty is there that suddenly you're going from a volunteer role to a role that you're charging in. So helping people even with that, you know, working that out for them and getting them to look at what actually you are going to be doing in this situation versus what you're doing at a group where you're sitting around having a chat and a cup of tea. It's a very, very different role. Even though I did the exam, I was doing the exam really because I was being told I wasn't going to be able to after that year. They were moving on to do all of the modules. And I was, it was no way, probably would have actually in hindsight. But at the time, I thought, no, we're doing it this year or we're not doing it at all. So seven of us did it. And most of those were, were the tutors, still with absolutely no desire to work in private practice because of that whole, I'm, I can't charge for this. Mm-hmm. So did the exam, had a horrendous wait for the results. It's not so bad now, but by the time we got our results, we nearly didn't care anymore whether we passed. I think it was this good six months, like from the July till the December, something ridiculous. So passed in the December and out of the blue, I got a phone call from another IBCLC. She was swamped. It was Christmas time. Would I see somebody? So I did. And uh, no, that's made it sound like I made that decision very easily. It took it took a lot. But like that, I don't say no to much. So I did. I I knew there was a woman in trouble and I went and helped her. It was New Year's Day and I came out of her house in Sandy Cove. I'll always remember her. And I thought, oh, my God, this is amazing.
0: You had that experience and it lit you up. You've been doing this for 13 years and then more and more of us have qualified in a similar kind of way because Absolutely. also the 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 rules were changing and that's why I did the exam. You were so supportive in helping us learn some of the practicalities, but also that balancing between the volunteer and the professional sort of role. But when yeah. I asked you to um run that workshop for us and to train us in in private practice, did you have any reservations about it or was it just a yes?
1: No, I really didn't. I saw it really as a continuation of the support I would give anybody. It was just so natural that you would help people out because I remember being in that situation. I mean, I'd be horrified to show you the notebook I brought on that first visit. I had nothing, nothing prepared already. And I like to be organised and I like to look organized. So it was important to me at that time to get support quickly as to, you know, how this role would go. So I feel it's only fair with the new people coming along. Yeah, people will say, oh, you're, you're training up your competition. But actually, the way I would look at it is that you're, you're really helping them along to do the best job they can do. You do not need a stressed lactation consultant going in to see a stressed out family. So if you, there's anything you can do to prevent that. Mothers that we're supporting love to know that we're going to ask somebody who has more experience in our role than we do. When it comes to competition, I really feel the more of us, the better. The more people hear about us, the more people know us, the more you're able to say, well, I can't get to you today, but here's a few numbers of my colleagues who you really trust and you really know are going to do you know, a similar job to you. I I wouldn't say a better job than you, but a similar job to you. And likewise, we all would would feel the same. Whereas I know there are still lactation consultants working in isolation. And that is really, really diff. It becomes a very, very difficult job. If you're it working does. isolation,
0: it, it really does from from all aspects of it. So there's the aspect of setting up the business yeah. and how we work all of those things, and then there's the clinical support of mm-hmm. I've never come across this before. Has, yeah. has somebody else? But there's also the emotional support of the debriefing of the being able to bring it. And as you know, my background is in social care. Mm-hmm. When I worked in social care, we had supervision sessions once a month where we would get to sit down with someone mm. and essentially debrief. But mm. when you're working on your own or in isolation, as you say, you don't have that ability. And I suppose we've created that for ourselves in out of necessity and coming from the the ethos of the volunteer organization that that we came from and being able to offer that hand down support. So you mentioned about how that's what you needed and that's what you got from people. And then you see that that's a need for other people and then you're providing it down the line. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just so important. And it's so important in particular in the work that we do, because it's emotional work and we need support structures around us to help us with all of that. Mm -hmm. And a while ago, I saw a post in a business group and it said, community over competition is bullshit. And there was a whole description about why they felt that was true, that people would never genuinely support their competition's business. And I took a couple of minutes to decide, to think about, and and to really reflect on myself to make sure that I wasn't bullshitting when when I say this type of thing. And I thought about it, and I was like, no, no, mm. it's not, it's not bullshit. It's important. And you touched on it as well that the the mothers and the families that we support, they feel more confident and comfortable in our relationship with them when they know that we work together and that we have positive relationships with each other. And like that, you know, if I can't see someone today and they need to be seen today or tomorrow, but I can't see them to next week, I'm not going to hold them off till next week so that I can have the business. I'm Mm going to pass them on to someone who can see them and help them Mm -hmm. because helping people is what we do.
1: Exactly. That's the bottom line. That is absolutely the bottom line. It's not about stringing someone along till you're available, filling up your calendar is so busy or your diary so busy that you aren't able to see somebody, you know, like as I would say to some mothers, you know, because people will inquire, oh, are you going to see someone else now? Or, do you know, how's your week looking or whatever? And some Fridays, the babies I'll meet the following week haven't even been born yet. So, you know, if I was to fill up with classes or whatever else that I would do, you're not going to have the availability for those people. And it's really unfair to be offering a service, but the service isn't available to them. Because as you know, a lot of our work is from word of mouth. I'm not at all. I was going to say, I'm not as good at you on social media. I'm not at all good at social media. I do say to people, actually, don't, there's no point in following me. You won't see anything. But I haven't needed to do that as yet because word of mouth is hugely powerful. You talked there about the word of mouth from the parents yeah. that you see, but it's also that
0: word of mouth from your other professionals. Because when you build genuine positive relationships with mm. other professionals in the area, even if we do the same job, Absolutely. then they also refer clients to you. So that Even, you know, our little network where we'll say, I can't see you. Here's a couple of other people that might be able to. But also with doulas, with childbirth educators, with massage therapists, when we build positive, genuine relationships with people who are also working with pregnant or postnatal families, they will also pass on our information.
1: I couldn't put myself in the position where I can even imagine not saying to a mother, here's a number I can't get to, you You know, I can see you next Tuesday and there's no one else available. Now I wouldn't be saying there's no one else available, but even handing them the the information for the Alki website, everybody is talking about everybody that they would want you to meet. Do you know, you're you're giving the names of the people that if it was, I don't have a sister, but if I had a sister or if Megan had a baby and wasn't living nearby, do you know, names of people that you know they're going to wrap them up and and take care of them, you know? Mm -hmm, that's where we need to collaborate with each other. Absolutely,
0: because when we actually know people, we can feel comfortable in making those referrals as well, because we've built relationships, not just networks. Yeah, And I know now that you're bringing that on and that you're doing some more work with more of the up-and-coming IBCLCs or the newly qualified IBCLCs to help them with, their journey into private practice. Again, people might reflect on that and think about the the competition some more. And also that you've been pivotal in training up some of the new, because you work in a tongue tie clinic as well, that you have trained up some of the new providers um, to provide more tongue tie services in different parts of the country as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I work with Dr Gillian Smith in our tongue tie clinic in Bray and Fitzwilliam Clinic. And her door is very much open to supporting anybody who has any interest in the area of tongue tie. She will allow, you know, observation of the tongue tie clinic in order to help somebody who wants to go on to do that themselves, to open up their own tongue tie clinic. And, you know, there's certain training where they need to observe X amount of phrenotomies before they can do their own. But we also have the IBCLCs in who who want to observe a baby, um, a suck assessment, a suck uh, and swallow assessment with the baby. You can show somebody on a doll, but it's absolutely impossible to show them the varieties and the degrees of tongue tie. So when we have a clinic, our clinic is busy. When we have a clinic, we would, usually we're approached and of course they can come in. I would do my best if the baby isn't upset, you know, if the baby is nice and content, to then show uh, the other IBCLC how we would perform a proper assessment on the baby. And a lot of those things, they're not learning through doing the exam. In Ireland, at least because of the way our services
0: are set up, it's only when other private practice lactation consultants are willing to show people physically these type of things and to mentor people in an informal way Mm -hmm. around that. Do we get any of that kind of hands-on learning that you don't get from the exam, as you say? When we talk about that, it comes back to what you said earlier about that the goal is to help women and families and babies. The goal is to help more people. And if that is genuinely our goal, then the competition element of it becomes irrelevant.
1: It's mean to keep things a secret. You know, if you were to get on to me, Fiona, where do you get those tubes? And I said, Oh God, I can't remember. You know, of course I remember. Why not share all of this information? It's mean. (laughs) It's schoolgirl stuff. Like I don't understand it. It hasn't impacted my business. You know, I don't see it as competition at all. In fact, some weeks I probably am a little busier because people give my name because they're not able to see somebody. You know, so I'm not seeing that
0: at all. Exactly. And-, and I do think the genuineness of working together is uh, not just beneficial to families, but it is beneficial for business. And I would hear sometimes similar things because I'm trying to help people promote their business better, mm-hmm. that, you know, you're giving away your secrets or or you're telling people how to be seen rather than, you know, keeping it for yourself so you can be seen. Mm. And exactly what you said, I don't need or want to gatekeep that information because I cannot physically see every family and people deserve choice. And I want as many people who do the work that we do to be able to see as many families as they physically can and want to see so that more babies, women and children get the help that they need. So it's about passing on that information rather than gatekeeping it.
1: Secrets really aren't, they're not doing any of us any favours. The families are ourselves. I don't know how I would sleep well at night knowing I wasn't doing the best, as you say, to get as many mothers helped as possible. Absolutely. And I think my point just
0: to pick up on there as well was the choice mm. that families deserve to have a choice in what lactation consultant they go to or what doula they go to or what childbirth education class they attend. So the more of us and the more variety of people who are providing services, the better able expectant or new parents are able to make the choice that they feel is going to suit their needs
1: best. Absolutely. No, I agree totally. It's You starting up your collective really had it come more to the forefront of my mind because I was doing it really unconsciously. I was doing it because I do it. But you've made me really think about it. Why do we do it? And we do it for the good of the families. And also to help others, you know, get a few more clients and get up the rung of the ladder, you know, to get that little bit busy and build their confidence because, Getting the exam, as I say, was a long wait for us. So by that stage, we really didn't care. You could have it just as easily said, oh, sure, I'm off. I'm going to do something different, you know. Mm-hmm. So that could potentially happen with somebody who's only seeing one person a month. Or, mm-hmm. you know, people need to be busy in order to to maintain. And the last point that I want to pick up on, just that you mentioned there,
0: when we start this work, We need to get clients and we need to kind of build up some level of consistency with that or people end up stop doing the work. And that was a huge driver for me in setting up the collective was that I was seeing too many people doing similar roles who weren't getting the antenatal education clients or the doula clients or whatever it might be and kind of falling into the wayside after spending all this time and energy and and emotional and the enthusiasm to, to train and then filtering off into the background and I knew that they were wonderful people who could help so many people but because people find it hard to get to grips with the business end and it is hard they were giving up or stopping because it didn't make any sense anymore and I don't want That to happen. So, my thing that I wanted to do to help people was to start the collective and and help people get more clients because I feel that I can do that piece. It does then all come back to that idea of supporting women and families. So, the women and families who are running the services and the women and families who are benefiting from the services.
1: Mm, Exactly. And mentoring people, it shouldn't be rigid. At the end of the day, we have to be able to guide people towards working this the way they should work it because of of what they feel inside and how they operate and the kindness and the love and the attention they're able to give to to a family. That would be uh, something that really sticks out for me coming from being mentored to now mentoring. There's no, this is what you should do. Absolutely. You
0: know, it's about giving the same way we work with parents.
1: It's about yes. giving
0: them the information and the tools that they need yeah. so that they can make their own decisions this that fit it. right.
1: For and them. how their business looks is how their business looks. And, exactly. and we know even from our group, they don't all look the same. No,
0: they don't. And we all have different ways of working and that's OK. Yeah, Fiona, I want to thank you very much for this conversation and for really kind of chatting this out with me and for accepting the invitation when i put it out so just to remind people fiona is a lactation consultant in dublin and wicklow in ireland she also provides workshops for upcoming and new lactation consultants in setting up their private practice and is a celebrant doing wedding and funeral
1: services yeah baby naming <laughs>
0: have any of those things going on, (laughs) Fiona Ray is absolutely the woman to go to. So thank you very much. And I will talk to you soon. Chat to you soon, Niamh.
1: Bye.